0: founder, CEO, or just CEO, you're thinking about the business 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, there's there's no two ways about it, right? There's no two ways about it. Success in this job is all based on the team that's in this with you. How we think about the business is we spend quite a bit of time working through what are the right aspects of the platform to build out. So that whether it's the use cases that we're focused on today or the use cases that we may be focused on tomorrow, we've made the right investments in terms of really building out this really enterprise-grade, scalable platform that can work with data sets all over the world.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to FinTech Leaders coming to you from New York City. I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. and I'm a co-founder of Gilgamesh Ventures, a venture capital fund that backs early-stage fintech entrepreneurs in the US, Canada, and Latin America. If you enjoyed this conversation, I invite you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your show so more people can learn about fintech leaders. In this episode, I sit down with Salman Sayed, CEO of Fidel API, a global financial infrastructure platform that helps build programmable experiences at the moment a transaction occurs on any payment card. They are backed by Bain Capital Ventures, Nica Partners, QED, CT Ventures, and Commerce Ventures. Prior to Fidel API, Salman spent over a decade in leadership roles at MasterCard and Marketa this episode, we discuss how Fidel API is unlocking new products and technologies by accessing and leveraging real-time transaction data, key trends that are shaping the future of financial services, challenges and advantages of building a global firm with employees and customers around the world, and a lot more. Salman! Welcome to FinTech Leaders. Good to see you, man,
0: Miguel. Great to see you as well. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm excited. Unfortunately, we're not doing this in person, like in the past, over over coffee on a sunny New York day. But you know, it's good to see you, someone. There's a lot that we're gonna talk about. I think people want to learn more about Fidel, API, and all the great things that you are doing. But I want to start by zooming in a little bit on your fintech and financial services experience, because correct me if I'm wrong, but since 2012, you've been in the industry, right? Initially at MasterCard, and then you've had other interesting gigs. So tell us about your fintech journey, and then what has been the biggest change over this last decade plus?
0: For sure. Well, Miguel, great to see you. Yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, we're not doing this in a, in a nice cafe in New York, but you know, rain check. We'll, uh, we'll definitely do that next time. So I am, I am past a decade in fintech at this point. And my story goes back to, you know, around 2012. And I was a management consultant at the time. And what was interesting is I was starting to do more and more projects where whether it was a financial institution or a telco, They were all starting to talk about mobile payments quite a bit more, right? And as they were talking about mobile payments, you know, if you looked at the statistics at the time, like 50% of the country, or yeah, 50% of the United States had a smartphone. It really felt like it was around the corner. Truth be told, that was actually a major factor for me when I thought about, you know, what industry do I want to go into? And I really thought there was going to be something compelling in financial services. And that's what took me to MasterCard. And my timing actually, in the grand scheme of things, worked out well at MasterCard. You know, I had different chores of duty working in different parts of the organization, but one of the key ones was being in the product organization when when Apple Pay launched. And just being, you know, close to that, being a part of it in, in many different ways, it was clear to me, financial services, this thing called fintech was starting to happen, right? This is 2014, 2015. Truth be told, there was also a quote that I heard around that time, That says, you know, if you want to make movies, move to Hollywood. And so that was a little bit of an impetus to say, okay, you know, let's go to the heart of where a lot of these really interesting things are happening. And this is, again, circa 2014, 2015. I think if you fast forward to where fintech is today, it's a global phenomenon. It's happening all over the world. But that was a big part of me going from New York to San Francisco. And, uh, you know, here I was, you know, I spent a little bit more time with MasterCard, but ultimately ended up meeting the early team at Marquetta. And that is actually, I think, really where my journey starts in terms of jumping in, spending time building a business with some great folks, uh, Jason Gardner, Amrita Dahan, And, you know, spent about six years there working on building, you know, what everybody, I think, in the fintech world clearly knows now as Marquette, a modern issuer processor. And then I think on the heels of that journey, you know, I think we'll probably talk about it a little bit more, but we're still in the early innings of where fintech is going, how far financial services are going to continue to evolve. And it really felt like the next chapter was to continue staying in the space that I found really compelling. For me, that's payments. It's B2B, it's infrastructure, it's APIs. And I think the other piece that I think I was very compelled by was payment data, right? And, I, yeah. and when I look across the spectrum and I got to know different people, I was fortunate enough to see so much of that coming together at, at Fidel. And that actually is what took me to this chapter of my journey now.
1: If you think about when you joined either MasterCard or Marketa, I think you had visibility to some of the trends that were coming. Is there one technology or trend that you did not anticipate that kind of has become popular or important in our world?
0: You know, here is what I've been able to distill, Miguel. When you think about fintech and how it continues to evolve, it is interesting. I was thinking about this a little bit earlier today. There seem to be two major dynamics at play. One is if you clearly look at where financial services is right now and the infrastructure that we've been built on top of. Look, so much of it, especially in the United States, you know, goes back all the way to the 1960s, even right mainframes. And and there's a massive opportunity to modernize that infrastructure. And, you know, if I think about what we called ourselves at Marketa, we said we were the modern issuer processor. Now, that doesn't mean we were the first ones ever to be able to create a card. But what we were is the modern stack that enabled that. Now, if you look at the market today, there's others that have come along, et cetera. But clearly there is a dynamic that continues to play out here where financial services infrastructure continues to evolve and get more modern. That I think is really compelling, really exciting. In many ways I'd say that was expected. Then I think there's like the other camp, right? Where I do think there's going to be some some very interesting phenomena technologies that we're not going to expect that are going to largely change the way people use financial services, right? I think the simplest example, the easiest example, but it, you know, it's kind of cliche is probably to say it's crypto right but but let's put that one aside but i do think what's happening simultaneously here is that you see a modernization of a lot of financial infrastructure which is creating a whole different set of services and experiences for people and i think that's going to let more people use financial services as well and then i think there's this whole category of you know different ways financial services may work and i think this is where people can play you know different you know economics are getting created so you can you can lend differently and you can help people save differently, et cetera. And I think that is, those are the things that I think are going to be a little bit more unexpected in this space.
1: I recently had Itai from UNIT and and you saying innovation in financial services is finite, but different innovation in software and the technology, how you deliver it is infinite, it, which I think is kind of exactly what you're describing. And then since we're talking about technology, let's, talk about Fidel, right? You know, tell us a bit about the company and and some of your core products and where you are at today.
0: Yeah. So look, I'm pretty excited about what we've got going on at Fidel. So the simplest way to describe us is if we put us back on the spectrum of what's going on, look, there's infrastructure that's being modernized as, you know, we just kind of talked about before. And then there's infrastructure that quite frankly didn't exist, right? And I put Fidel in the category of infrastructure that hasn't historically existed, that essentially simplifies a lot of you know, disparate parts that exist in our financial services ecosystem. And what I'm talking about here is specifically our value proposition is the ability to aggregate data from the major card networks. And you know, today that's Visa, MasterCard, and American Express. And we essentially make those real-time transactions that occur at those networks available via API. Now, you can think about the variety of different use cases that's going to enable, right? So today, we do quite a bit in loyalty and rewards. We do quite a bit in the expense management space. But if you think about all the other applications that could happen over time, that is, you know, essentially the infrastructure that we've created and that we've been building for quite some time. Uh, you know, if I were to talk about a little bit about the origins of the company, it's very common to many stories that you hear about entrepreneurs, founders who are kind of working on a very specific problem and then all of a sudden have an epiphany. And, you know, this one pretty much goes, hey, we let's focus on building a loyalty solution for a set of merchants, a set of restaurants, a set of retailers. And as you're down that road, you know, trying to provide the solution to several of them, you realize they're all asking for the same thing in many different ways, right? And you realize that the answer is actually not these vertical solutions that you're providing them, but actually doing something that's a lot more horizontal in nature, right? And that essentially, it became kind of the birthplace of saying, okay, what we're really looking to build here is the ability to power multiple products with this application of like being able to capture real-time transaction data. And that essentially is what led to, you know, kind of the clarity in terms of exactly what the business needs to be, and what we set out building several years ago. We were born in the UK, but are very global in nature. We have a very large footprint in Portugal, actually. So Europe, obviously, is, is kind of our mainstay. But today, also have a very strong presence in the United States as well, which is obviously where I'm located.
1: I envy you that you get to go to Portugal for work.
0: As some people me, 300 days of sunshine, right? So it's, <laughs> uh, as good as it gets.
1: You, you mentioned that... You've learned clearly along the way, the company has learned from, I guess, listening to the customers. Take us through some of the use cases that your customers have developed. Because I imagine once you empower an ambitious creative developer with new data, new tools, information, some interesting magic can happen. So I'd love to hear about that.
0: Look, specifically on Fidel and some of the use cases that we're powering, Again, we're we're talking about let, let, let's stick with loyalty and rewards. I, I think is you know a simple one, and I think I'll, I'll talk about expense management too. Now, we you think about loyalty and rewards, I think the simplest way to think about it is we are essentially providing you know one of our customers who may be running a loyalty program the ability to essentially listen to the cards that are associated with their customers. And so, as a result of that, you know a, a loyalty provider may want to provide some very specific offers. And if you look at a lot of the different solutions that are out there today in terms of how you can actually use some of those, actually take advantage of, you know, one of the offers that somebody's presenting you, look, it can actually be a very complex process. I don't know if you've ever seen it. You go into a banking app, you have to click on a specific area, you have to link some very specific offers, things of that sort, right? So it can be very cumbersome. Essentially what we are providing, again, we're a set of APIs. So ultimately how our customer wants to present the experience is up to them. But the core capability that they're getting from us is the ability to essentially listen to that card with the consent of the cardholder, right? And that's a very important aspect when you're dealing with data. But essentially, when that card is being used at a specific retailer, specific restaurant, specific merchant, you are essentially creating the ability to say, hey, listen, cardholder, you don't need to do anything different. I can actually see when that transaction occurs and I can reward you, right? And so I think that is something that you know our customers find very exciting. It enables them to, again, use this as an input to create different types of experiences on top of it. I'll give you one example. I was with a customer last week, and what he does is when he sees this happen, he actually sends a notification to his customer and says, hey, listen, I know you bought a $4 coffee, but we're only going to charge you $3 and $1 is on us, right? And you get to delight your customer in some very interesting in compelling ways. So that's just a very simple example of some of the things that we do with some loyalty providers that you know are obviously using our platform to, to power their services.
1: Are there some industries that are more prone in, in using Fidel? Where are you seeing your customers come from?
0: Yeah, great question. Miguel. So what I would tell you is this: if you think about the applicability of real-time transaction data, right? I mean, you and I could probably spend the next two hours just having a conversation on that, right? And what I will tell you is how we think about the business is we spend quite a bit of time working through what are the right aspects of the platform to build out, right? So that whether it's the use cases that we're focused on today or the use cases that we may be focused on tomorrow, we've made the right investments in terms of really building out this really... Enterprise grade scalable platform that can work with data sets all over the world, right? In the near term today, we are focused obviously on loyalty and rewards and expense management. But think about some other places, right? Lending, there could be a very interesting use case of how to use real time transaction data and lending. Fraud is another example of it. So again, the opportunity for real time transaction data, one by itself and two, when complemented with other types of data, right? Account history, enriching some of those account information, SKU level data, et cetera, it becomes so powerful. And again, that's all just opportunity that we have in terms of the types of services that we can provide over time.
1: You mentioned that you are global in nature and company was started in, in London, correct me if I'm wrong, And but now clearly the US and Silicon Valley is, is important. How does that happen, right? Like this typically... FinTech and FinTech companies tend to serve one market, right? Because it's complicated to go to a second, third, let alone dozens, right? So talk about that dynamic, you know, the challenges of of building a global company, but also where do you see that going? Do you you see Fidel in every country or, or is that not really your goal?
0: Yeah. Look, again, if you go back to what is it that we're powering, Right the ability to access real-time transaction data. Now the good news is the common denominator for us is you know we power credit card credit debit prepaid right? That is a phenomenon as you know that exists all over the world, right? There isn't a market today that doesn't have credit debit or prepaid cards. Card transactions exist all over the world. So the good news is, you know, there it's not a Bespoke solution it is not a bespoke service that we're providing in different parts of the world. What's also very unique about us is that we've also started by partnering with the largest payment networks and you know the largest and only payment networks, right? If you think about it, Visa, Mastercard, American Express. Now, of course, many regions have local networks as well, and that's obviously something that we will continue to evolve to over time. But I think. One big advantage that we have as we think about going global is that we work with very global organizations that already have that level of footprint. And by providing that infrastructure, that software layer on top, we are essentially being able to provide a normalized service in multiple markets all over the world. Now, the challenge is when everything's an opportunity, what's really the opportunity, right? And so for us, the name of the game is really focused, right? And today we largely focus on the US, Canada, UK, Ireland, right? I mean, we have a few programs in different other other parts of the world, but where we think about where we're going to continue to make a good amount of investment, it's really going to be those core markets. But yeah, but I think that's something that we are very fortunate to have as a unique advantage in that, you know, the service that we're providing sits on top of a set of providers that are very global in nature to begin with. And as we work with them, we can actually very much leverage their global footprint as well.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. You get you get someone like I don't, I don't know if they're your customer or not, but you get someone like Uber, and a lot of that technology is just built in in the Valley, and it's applied in their network of hundreds of cities,
0: right? Exactly. And look, think, if you think about it, like the vast majority of payments, I don't know for a fact, but I would I would venture to say most of the transactions that happen on Uber are credit cards or debit cards, right? For for the most part. Well, you know, those credit cards, debit cards typically are Visa MasterCard or American Express, right? And so if we by, you know, by definition have those, you know, we've done the work to really integrate with those platforms consistently all over the world, that gives us the ability to really power that type of solution in multiple markets.
1: So one thing that is is interesting for for the audience is Many people listening aspire to run a company one day, or, or maybe they're doing it. What, what are some of the key lessons that you've learned on the chair of the CEO, right? What has been kind of the most striking thing that you've learned?
0: Yeah, I was actually, you find yourself reflecting on these types of things on, on a very regular basis, right? Which is, what do I feel like I'm doing well? And what are the things that I need to continually focus on? Or at least that's maybe something that I can say about myself. I, I spent a lot of time. Just you know, thinking about that. And look, Miguel. For me, I, I think it really comes down to you know, as as I've been sitting in this job, there, there's two major things that I've been that I've been realizing are very core to how I do it and what's going to be important for me as I continue to move forward. And and I one is relatively personal. The other one's definitely you know core to the success of the job. And I think the personal one is it's a job that, and there's no different than a founder, right? But, you know, founder, CEO, or just CEO, you're thinking about the business 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, there's there's no two ways about it, right? And, and many many would argue that's a really good thing. I would argue that's a good thing as well. But I think what's very important is that you got to build the mental practice of compartmentalizing, right? Which is you're in the business when you want to be in the business, but you know how to actually park it and then actually say, okay, I'm gonna actually disconnect because actually it's good for you to refresh from that perspective. So I would say of all the jobs that I've ever had, right, this is the one that is the most all consuming from a mental standpoint. And I think that's okay, but you gotta be able to know how to control it. So I, I would just I would just offer that up from a personal perspective. I'd say from a professional perspective, look, there's no two ways about it. Success in this job is all based on the team that's in this with you, right? And again, I'm probably not saying anything that you haven't heard before, but it's only when you're truly in it. And you know, you and I have had versions of this conversation as well, who's on the team, who's helping you, all that. And you just know how far you're gonna be able to get, what you're gonna be able to accomplish as a group is the way this is gonna occur, right? Yes, it's your job to help break ties, it's your help to set direction when necessary, but you are gonna go so much further with the right team around you. I, it's that, it's that it's that old saying, right? You've probably heard it before, which is if you want to go fast, go alone. If you, if you want to go far, go together. So I think that's absolutely key and something I spent a lot of time on.
1: Speaking of which, how would you describe your your team culture?
0: This is a fun one, I have to tell you, right? And and I'll tell you why it's a fun one, because there's a few different dynamics in play, right? And the, the dynamics in play that I really want to talk about is our geographical footprint. If I just look at just my leadership team alone, we have folks from the US, we have folks from the UK, we have folks, some from Portugal as well, right? And I think what's really fun about that in many ways is that inherent from where you come from, forget your, your functional orientation, right? You've got you know the head of sales and then you've got the head of engineering and the head of people, et cetera. You have all these different vantage points that just come from like the different functional disciplines that they bring. But if you then layer on, well, how do I think about doing business? How do I think about building a business from these different parts of the world? I think it actually has created a really interesting phenomenon that I think that we have going on at Fidel. Look, for me, you know, if I just compare it to some of the other experiences that I have, of course, Mastercards a very global organization. Marquetta, you know, very much dominated, you know, spend majority of our time in the U.S., but we had expanded to other parts of the world. But what I think is just very inherent about how we operate Fidel is that we're very global first. I have, in my, in my own personal experience, I know the holidays in, in the UK, I know the holidays in Portugal, King's Coronation was an interesting thing to just keep and bear in mind in May, for example. But why do I tell you all this? Look, I actually think it puts us in a very unique place to really appreciate our different vantage points and our different perspectives. And I think in like, as a combination of that, I think is actually leading to, quite honestly, very different vantage points on problems, which I think are ultimately going to lead to better outcomes for the business. What is common amongst everybody, right? And something that I really try to instill is empathy for the customer, right? So irrespective of where you're coming from, how much are we thinking about our customer? How do we make our customer as successful as possible? And I think ultimately that is going to be core to, you know, how we continue to evolve that culture over time, irrespective of where people are.
1: Yeah. You you talk to company leaders and they love talking about culture. Yeah. You realize how important it is. Yeah. And, And so... When you think about the industry, you know we've talked about the evolution of the industry, about what you're doing today, specifically just in general for fintech, what do you think are going to be some of the most important things to consider going forward, right? What, what are you paying attention to?
0: You know, if I think about where things are right now, Miguel, I think there's a little bit of, I mean, let's call it what it is, it's, it's get back to basics, right? Right. And I think one of the big things to think about when it comes to fintech financial services, you know, if you look at really what was going on over the last couple of years, ultimately, what was that business model that you were ultimately anchoring on? Right. And I do think there's a lot of space, first and foremost, for companies that are, you know, figuring themselves out right now to get back to a business model in financial services that works, Right. And so I think that's that's the first thing that I I would probably highlight. The second thing that I would probably say is, you know, as I kind of think about where things are going in the future, you're you're, you're right. Look, there's there's something to be said about like how a lot of these new technologies are going to be applied to financial services, to fintech. For example, I'm not going to get into the whole AI, you know, I'm sure I can't tell you probably how many times you've probably had that conversation at this point. But what I would say is, look, I think we're in a place where we're going to continue to see more and more improved financial services. I just think about like some of the simple impacts that we've had over the last like five, six, seven years, right? The fact that if you go to many large financial institutions now and then you can get your paycheck early, I would argue some of that was truly born with some of the neobanks, right? Like as they, as they kind of came about and things of that sort. So, you know, as, as I think about what's going to happen going forward, a couple of things. One is you got to get back to some core business models that really work in financial services, right? So I think that, that I think is a good thing. I think that ultimately pays back to the phenomenon of us modernizing what already works in financial services, but just making it ready for this time and in the future. I'd say that's the number one thing. And I think the second thing is, I think there's a lot of really new and cool experiences that are still yet to come, right? Because as more and more of this infrastructure gets built out, look, we're all in this business because, you know, we always get asked the question, well, who are your your target customers, et cetera. The answer is always the same when you're building infrastructure. I know many of my customers today, but I don't know who some of the customers are going to be in the future. And that's kind of the magic of into the work though.
1: And I think that's related to something that you and I were talking about before recording. And that's, this is very fresh in our minds, the report that just came out. And I think it's QED and is it BCG? At least, yeah. Yeah, and then shows how we're still in the early innings. And one lot of the stats was that FinTech is only... 2% of the market cap of our industry. Yes. Right. Of financial services. Right. And again, the direction of travel is clear. So, you know, just adding one more percent of that doubles the industry, which already feels like it's not a small industry. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. No, you, you're, you're spot on. And so, look, that that's going to come in one of two ways. It's going to be a set of services that are built for businesses, for consumers, and it's also going to be built on top of the infrastructure players like Fidel, like many others. Look, that is the path forward. It's still a very exciting space to be in. It's just now we're back into a place of you've got to be measured and very thoughtful about many of the things that that are getting built in and continue moving forward. So you're right, 2%, there, there's a long road ahead of us. And I think it's just organically and naturally going to continue to grow, which is pretty exciting.
1: Well, Zaman, I can't thank you enough for taking this few minutes to talk. It's always great to catch up and congrats for everything you guys are doing. I'm gonna be watching very closely.
0: Thank you, Miguel. And looking forward to doing this again with you soon.
1: Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this great episode with Salman, CEO of Fidel API. If you want more interviews, make sure to subscribe, follow, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. It helps and means a lot. And if you have any suggestions or thoughts about the show, just drop me a line on Twitter or LinkedIn. Signing off till next week, I'm your host, Miguel Armasa.